been said, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. You know what I say? You better have a good team if you want to go fast or far. I don't care how good you are. You can't win without a team. You can't get through all the track and competition I'll throw at you if you don't have a good crew. you got to have a great crew chief. And from the tire guys to the jackman, to the gas man and the support crew, everybody's got to do their part and do it well. Not only that, but you got to know how to work with them. You got to know when to push and when to let them lead. Everybody on the team is valuable. If you're organized and can work well together, buddy, you got yourself a winner. Well, hello, Heritage family. It is so good to be with you as we step into week four of our Off to the Races message series. I want to welcome every part of our network as we continue in this conversation that's really using the metaphor of a NASCAR race in how you and I approach the different races of life. My name's Jeremiah. I get to be one of our teaching pastors here. And so far, so far over the last few weeks, we've looked at a, at a couple of elements of what it takes to race well, we've talked about the need for us to make every lap count over the course of, of this conversation where, where we can experience the difference between driving in circles and making every lap count. There's a there's this profound difference in even how we approach that. Some of us feel like we're driving in circles all the time, but God designed us to know that at the end of every lap, we're doing something that matters. We also talked about the need to be the first to the line, that there is a win. There's a win we can experience and that we can know. We talked about the need to kind of get under the hood a little bit. And last week, we, we talked about the need to be intentional in when we speed up and when we slow down, to have enough radiators in our lives because speed adds heat. And this week, we're talking about the reality that we have to work well with our crew, that we are all part of a team together. The, the truth is, we are all running multiple races of life together, and we don't have to be great race fans in order to have these concepts click with us. Because there is a desire within each of us to live life in such a way that we know we're winning, to be able to press into the things that matter most, to know at the end of the day that we've done the right things in the right way, that we're better to, at the end of the day than we were at the beginning of it. I love that these concepts are, are deeper than just what you find around the racetrack, because i got to be honest with you, um, in, in my house, we hadn't really been exposed to racing culture, to, to the racing conversation very much. In fact, we do, have a, uh, we do have a celebrity racer that we root for. I've got a four-year-old boy named Zechariah, and uh, he makes sure that we, ra that we root for this celebrity racer every time we can. Perhaps you recognize him. Right. That's for those of you not familiar with cars. That's Lightning McQueen. That's that's the racer that we are all about. Up until this series, this was the context I had 
for, for racing. And I feel like there are some of us in the room who were kind of like, yeah, that's, that's me. I mean, I have gotten so much out of this series. God has spoken to me about me and about my family. And it doesn't matter if, if the only context you have is the Cars movie, that group of anthropomorphic cars where they're exploring their emotions together, right? It's like toys with cars, the toys movie. Uh, you, that may even be more experience than you have had, and that's okay, because we're going to unpack some really deep biblical truth that impacts every part of who we are. You see, I believe when it comes to the stuff of life, we are, each of us, running multiple races. And it can feel like if we win in one race area of life, then we're going to lose in another. In, in our lives, we can feel like if we, if we win at home, that means we can't win at work. We have to choose career or family. We have to win at the dreams that we have or serving others. We have to win at climbing the ladder or being present with those we're closest in to. We have this sense that we have to choose our wins and our losses because we just can't have it all. I don't, I don't think we were meant to have it all, but I do believe we were designed to win. I believe we were designed to win. In our own strength, we can't have it all. But if we run the races of life with intention, if we run them in the right order, then we do experience what it looks like to win at work and at home. We do experience what it looks like for us to know we're winning in the deep dreams that God has given us and in being present with those who are closest to us. We can experience what it looks like to win in each of those areas. I know that because of kind of the anchor scripture that we've been hooking into over the course of our conversation through off to the races. It's this one found in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. The writer says, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. There is this, this deep-seated longing in each of us to know that we are going to get the prize. And what I love about this scripture is that it's a reminder, those wins that we seek, those places in life where we want to know we're doing the right things and we're further ahead today than we were yesterday, that we're not just running around in circles, but we actually are driving laps toward a prize, toward a win, that we can know and experience that. We don't have to live life wondering if we're winning. We can run in such a way as to get the prize. That's really, really hopeful for me. The truth is, in all of those races of life, in all of those places where we're wondering what that might look like, this, the writer, a man named Paul, has kind of inkled that we are designed to win. We're, we're designed for that. Now, one of the challenges, one of the problems for us is, as we're looking at this, is I need you to understand the writer here is talking in a couple of contexts, all right? First, he's talking to a group of people who are followers of Jesus. And so here's the thing. You, the truths we're going to look at today, they are true whether you follow Jesus or not. However, you aren't going to be able to live life to the fullest. You won't experience win in every area of life until you follow Jesus. He is the one who gives order to all of those different races of life. 
He's the one who helps us know and understand what it looks like to really thrive. And so whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, I am glad you're here. I believe that the truths we're going to discuss today are very true no matter what. But you have to understand they play out most genuinely, most deeply, and we are most changed when Jesus is at the center of those truths that we're looking at, okay? So the other context is that he's talking to this group of believers called a church, and this church is in a place called Corinth, but he's talking to people in the context of their relationships with each other. We've talked through these different concepts of racing together, that, yeah, we we do need to make every lap count. We need to be first to the line. We've got to get under the hood. But all of those are for naught if our crew in our relationships, we aren't pursuing health. If in life together, we aren't winning together. In fact, that leads us to the first fill-in. If you're following along on your note guide today, it's this simple truth, that winning cars are part of winning teams. Winning cars are part of winning teams. You never see a, a NASCAR driver who isn't part of a much broader team. We tend to think that the race is all about the driver, but we forget that every NASCAR team is made up of up to you know, hundreds of team members. There's the seven-member pit crew, but there are spotters and engineers. There are mechanics. There are those who look at the car before each race and after. There are those who work on the car in between races. There are those who are there for qualifiers and those who are there for celebrations. There are those who kind of do an after-action report and those who get ready for more. There are those who are seeking to market the driver in the car and those who are trying to make sure that, that the NASCAR organization is functioning really, really well together. There are just these massive teams that make up an, an, a car's team. We can get stuck in thinking that a NASCAR race is all about the driver, but that's not true. We also can get stuck in thinking in the races of life that we are a part of, that those races are all about us. And that's not quite true either. We walk in this tension where we somehow know that really we're made for relationship with others. We're made to connect and do life together. We're made to experience the highs and lows of life, not on our own, but with a crew of people. And yet the tension that keeps pulling us back is we try to win and lose on our own. We try to do life on our own. We think that the story of life, the race of life is all about us. Neither of those two things could be further from the truth. The good news is that we aren't the first ones to walk in that tension. We're not the first ones to struggle with what that means. In fact, like 3,000 years ago, there was a man named Solomon who's said to be one of the wisest people who ever lived. And he wrote in the scriptures in a book called Ecclesiastes these words, all right? It's this, it says, again, I saw something meaningless under the sun. Well, you're so glad you came today, right? That's just an uplifting moment. That's great. I, I saw something meaningless under the sun, but when we run across that in this scripture in particular, I want you to understand, it's as if the writer is saying, it feels, when I look at this, like we are running in circles and not driving laps. It feels like we're just running around and around and around, driving in circle after circle with no desired outcome, without experiencing the win that we know we have. That's kind of the meaninglessness that he's talking about. He says, so I saw, I saw something meaningless, that driving around in circles, there was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil. 
Yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. He had sense he's working hard and he's amassing a great deal of wealth for himself, but he's somehow running in circles. He says, for whom am I toiling and why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? And the writer continues, he says, this too is meaningless, a miserable business. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. And he continues, also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. In this context of relationship, the writer is reminding us that winning cars are part of winning teams, that you and I are part of this broader connection of relationship together, that we run in circles when we try to do life on our own, but we can only run drive laps that matter when we find ourselves in intentional relationship with others. And as Pastor Sean has remind us through, reminded us throughout this series, our heart in this is in no way to add pressure to our already busy lives, but actually to invite us to step back from pressure and into intentionality, to intentionally pursue the wins, the prize at the end of the race together. So as we have this conversation, listen to it in that perspective. We're all running fast. We are all driving laps faster and faster and faster. Some of us feel today like, man, we are headed for a crash. And I want you to understand we are meant to do this race of life in relationship with other people. Winning cars are always part of winning teams. We never race alone. Even today, the Quad Cities Marathon is happening. I, I know that because I've, I've heard about it. You can tell I'm not someone who actually would participate in such a thing, right? Like, I, I'm a spectator, not a participant in that particular sport, and I look the part, and that's okay. So what I've discovered, though, in talking with people who participate in that is that even running a marathon, a foot race, isn't run alone. That when you're running that marathon, you're actually encouraging the other runners around you and they're encouraging you as well. That as you, as you train, your whole family gets into it because they at the very least are giving you space to go get ready and at the most they're there in your training moments cheering you on, making sure you're hydrated. The, the, the best competitors, they have people who are helping them with nutrition and sleep schedules, people who are making sure that they get the right kind of hydration at the right time, that they're running at the right pace, and it's all of this whole team that's helping us. Nobody races alone. And I think the place where you and I begin to experience great tension, where we start to feel most overwhelmed, where we start to feel extra pressure, is in the places where we feel like we are winning or losing on our own where we are running the race by ourselves. But you see, if winning cars are part of winning teams, then the next fill-in on your outline is also true, and it's this, that our wins and our losses are shared. Our wins and our losses are shared. We aren't the only ones who experience the wins in our lives, and when we have a crushing defeat... We aren't the only ones who bear the burden of that, or we're not designed to do it anyway. We're designed to experience victory. We're designed to walk through challenge in the context 
of community around us. We share wins and losses. That's what we're meant for. That same writer who talked about how life is kind of like a race and we can live life in such a way that we get the prize, especially in the context of this community, a few paragraphs later in talking about these followers of Jesus who he calls the body of Christ, he says this to them and to us. He says, if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, Every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it. It's in a very real place, this idea that our wins and our losses are shared. That when you experience great victory, it's actually sweeter and better in community. Not because it's better for you, but because it's better for the people who are doing life with you. When you experience defeat, you aren't to be crushed by it on your own. You're to walk through it in community with other people who can lift you up and help you get through those difficult moments. It also reminds us, if this is done in community, if the scripture that we just read is at all true, that it's not just our wins and our losses that are shared, but it's the very small decisions that we make which can have profound impact in the people around us. You see, if our wins aren't our own and our losses aren't our own, but they're to be experienced in the context of relationship around us, then that means we will never know fully the benefit that people reap when we choose to live a life that is more in line with what God has for us. When we choose today to pursue the purpose God has for us and our families, when we choose today to live as who God made us to be, and maybe you're in this space and you're just trying to figure out what that is, that's a great first step. As you press into that, the decisions you make, big and small, that honor God and honor the community you're a part of, you have no idea the benefit that those around you reap in that. But the flip side of that is also true. We have no idea how impacted the people around us are by the decisions we make that move us further away from God's best for us. We have no idea the profound impact, even those secret places in our lives that we think nobody else knows about. We have no idea how negatively it impacts those closest to us, how they hurt because of the decisions we make. We try to convince ourselves We try to convince ourselves that my decisions are mine alone. That that means I win or I lose on my own. But that just isn't true. We were never designed to do life alone. In fact, God made us to experience healthy relationships with others. What that means is we can't even discover our personal purpose on our own. Our purpose is only lived out in the context of community with other people. This changes everything for us. This is one of those places where if we are trying to run in multiple races of life and we're doing it with the expectation that we win or lose on our own, that the decisions we make are ours and ours alone to decide and and reap the benefit or loss of, then we are running the race of life out of order. We're going to spin out. We're going to hit the wall. 
It's not going to be good, but it doesn't have to be that way. And as we've just been saying here, if it's true that, that we don't race, uh, that we don't compete against our crew, but we race with them, which is the next fill-in, we don't compete against our crew, we race with them. If that is true, then everything else about us changes. That wins and losses are shared. The only way to experience that reality in our lives is if we live this out, if we recognize we're not competing against the people around us, but we actually race with them. For us, that's a real challenge. For those of us in the context of where we live, it is so hard to choose to trust other people in relationship. Because if my win is shared, then so is theirs. If their win is tied to me, then my win is tied to theirs. And suddenly it feels like I'm not as in control as I like to be. It's really easy. I think one of the places where we trip up the most in the race of life in community is in this space. Where we start to act as though we are competing against those we're actually racing with. In fact, the scriptures say that there's an enemy who seeks to kill and steal and destroy. And I believe that where he works hardest to destroy is in the context of community. That if he can convince us we are on our own, that our decisions don't matter, and that actually I'm, not just, I'm just not racing with someone, I'm actually competing against them, then his, his job is all the easier. There are places in my own life where I can readily find myself buying into the lie that I'm actually competing against my crew and not just racing with them. It happens in the moments where, where I feel pressure and the pace of life is speeding up and I feel like there's just no possible way I'm going to get everything done or everything that matters done well. And so I find myself pressing into those places where I'm, I'm driving faster and faster and faster and faster and faster around the track. And before I know it, I'm no longer driving intentional laps, but I'm driving in circles. And I know that that's happening because I start to look at the crew around me, those closest in, even my family, as people who are interruptions in the race of life. Rather than vital components of the crew I'm supposed to be racing with. Pause for a moment. Think about in the last hours, even on the way into church, or the last several days, where you have slipped into the mindset that you're racing against, that you're competing against, not racing with those people who are closest into you. Where is that happening? I think, I think where it most often happens is when we forget this truth. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 24. The same writer who said that we run a race, that we run it in the context of community where everybody feels what's happening. He says, no one should seek their own good but the good of others. Oh, it's hopeful and hard all at the same time, isn't it? The truth is, if we live into this, then each of us is seeking the good of everyone else, and so we don't have to pursue our own good for our own sake, because the person to our left and to our right is pursuing the good of all of us. 
But where this gets especially important, where, it's, where it really matters for us, is when it comes to who is wearing this helmet, this driver's helmet here. You see, each of us, as we said before, are part of multiple races. We are part of multiple races in multiple contexts. And we tend to think that we are the driver in every single one of those races. But that just isn't true. Yes, there are places in life where we're the driver. Where we're the most visible part of the team. And it feels like every decision we make is amplified more and more. Because the team will very obviously, the crew will very obviously know if we've won or lost based on what we do. But you see, we weren't designed to be the only driver in the races of our lives. We are actually designed to be a driver in some and to be a different part of the crew in others. We are designed to do life together with people, to help other drivers win, to help other people experience community and what it is to be part of the crew. There are places in life, yes, where you are the driver, but there are places where you are meant to be someone who's part of the crew, who's maybe a crew chief keeping, keeping things at home ordered and moving so that the family can keep doing and running the races that they're running really well. Maybe in your life it's a behind-the-scenes place where no one seems to know all the time and the effort that you put into helping other people know and experience success, and you wonder if it's at all worth it because you don't get the same credit as the driver. You need to understand there are times and places where, yes, we are the driver. And there are times and places where we're supporting and, and leaning into seeing someone else's great success. God designed us for both. If you can't think of a space in your life where you are not the driver, then I believe God wants to recalibrate some things for you about what it looks like to live into community. And if you can't think of a space in your life where you are the driver, I believe God wants to call you into a fresh adventure, into a place where you can feel the thrill of what it looks like to be in that driver's seat. But we can't live in one area of life like that all the time. We're meant to live in relationship, to play different roles on different teams as we run the races of life. It's how we begin to experience fulfillment and fullness. And again, you can feel pressure to try to figure this out. But that's not the intent. The intent is to pause, to step back, and to, with intentionality, discover where it is that God would have you press into these things. If you're feeling pressure to figure this out, that's a symptom that you've started stepping into the idea that you rise, that you win and lose on your own. That pressure to win or lose on your own is not what this conversation is designed for. Because you see, not only do we have the Holy Spirit of God who resides in us when we step into relationship with Jesus, and he's far smarter than any of us, but not only do we have that relationship and our relationship with Christ, but we also have the relationships with those around us. So figuring out what it looks like to be a great driver and a great member of the team isn't up to us alone, but it's discovered and discerned in the context of community. God's got your back in this. You don't have to figure it out by yourself. And the places where you're feeling the most 
pressure to perform, I believe are the places where we are convinced we've got to figure it out on our own and we were never supposed to live life that way. We were designed for connection and relationship with others. One of the most uh, significant roles on a, on a NASCAR team I never even knew existed. All right, now remember, I am a Lightning McQueen fan, so that's not surprising that I didn't know that this existed. But, but there are certain racetracks like this one, the, uh, the Dover International Speedway in Dover, Delaware, that are so short that the, the drivers lap so quickly they get lost. Now, let that sink in for a second. They get lost. It's a circular track, people. Okay? I don't know how that happens, but it does. They start moving so fast in the pace of the race. They just move faster and faster and faster and faster and faster and faster so that it gets to the point where all they're aware of is the car ahead of them or keeping the, being the lead car. They don't know when the next turn is coming. They don't know where they are. They don't know where the pit is. They just are trying everything they have to not lose position on the track. They get stuck in the circular life of this race on the track where they're just looking at the tailpipe of the car ahead of them or they're looking ahead to try to remain the lead dog in the pack here they are they're just going faster and faster and faster and faster and faster until they don't even know when the next turn is coming i don't know about you but that feels a lot like monday to me right i mean oh my word if that isn't an example of what it feels like to just get up at the beginning of a weekday and try to figure it out, but there is a member of their crew who is designed so that they don't get lost. So they know when to speed up and when to slow down. They know when they're coming up into the pit area. They know when the turn is coming. They're aware of what's coming from behind and where they are in the pack. There's a member of the crew called the spotter. And their job is just to get up high enough where they can see the whole track where they can know the whole field and they can invite or, or they can interact with their driver in constant communication about adjustments to be made, about strategic plays to be fulfilled. And I think there are those of us here today who are desperate for a spotter in our lives because we find ourselves driving faster and faster and faster. We get the sense, man, we are headed for a crash. We don't know when it's coming. But God actually designed you for a relationship where there can be people in your life who will speak into you and say, it's time to slow down. Actually, you know what? You don't think you can go faster, but you can, and you've got to in this season, and it'll be okay. I've got your back. I see the field. I see what's coming. It's okay. We need those people in our lives. But when we insist on driving all on our own, we stop listening to those who are positioned to help us see and know. And I also believe there are those of us who are meant to step into that spotting relationship for other people, to help them see and know, to encourage them to speed up and remind them to slow down. One of the great ministries we have at Heritage that's designed for this, if you are uh, pursuing marriage or are a married couple, because I don't know about you, but one of the places where I feel like I can get in that speeding up track and just going faster and faster and not sure what's happening is when it comes to those closest in relationships to me. My most precious relationship with my wife. 
And I can't tell you how much I have valued the voices of mentors in my life who have told me when it comes to my relationships, you got to press in, you got to back off, you got to reprioritize. We're seeing a crash coming. And we have people who are trained as marriage mentors here at Heritage who can serve as a spotter in your marriage relationship. You can find out more in our lobbies at our Quad Cities locations. You can go out after this conversation and check out uh, our marriage mentoring dynamic. There are people out there who can talk to you about that. You may very well actually need to serve in a dynamic like that where you are the marriage mentor. You don't have to have it all figured out. You just got to be you just got to be a little bit further down the track and know that you've been there. You have to have a relationship with Jesus and want to see people fulfilled in their relationship with Christ and each other. There again are opportunities where you can find out more about what it means to be a part of that because we are to be drivers and we are to be spotters. There are other areas of life where we can where we can experience that. Sometimes it's just a matter of having courage. Maybe we don't need to step into a formal mentoring relationship, but we need to have the courage to turn to the person beside us, somebody that we've seen in interaction in these spaces in church life, and invite them for coffee and hear their story. So we can begin to press into relationship in a different way. And maybe that's where we're going to find a spotter in our life. We aren't meant to do this alone. I love the way that we pursue trying to create space that is family across generations. We believe that God places the lonely in families and that heritage is designed to be a family of believers across generations. And so maybe part of living into community for you is actually choosing to serve in one of our kids' ministry environments or our youth ministry environments where you can do some life-on-life relationship together, where you can be a spotter in someone younger's life and watch as they, who are these young people among us who are so discerning, actually begin to serve as a spotter in your life too. I invite you, if you haven't, if you're not aware of those ministry environments to teens and children, we have leaders for each of those environments in our lobbies today as well. I invite you to interact with the pastors there who can tell you how to get connected in that ministry. They can share, you some, share with you some great things that are happening there and invite you to engage in a different way. But you see, when it comes down to it, we are meant to win. We can know at the end of this day that we are driving in the race of life so as to win it. You can know that. That's God's design and desire for you. And I I think that the the question that we need to ask as it comes to kind of our so what moment. Every week we pause in the conversation and we ask this question. So what? As a way to step away from pressure and into intentionality. As a way to ask the question, what do I do with this now? And I, I believe if we want to discover the places where we need a little extra help to experience the win that God has for us, it's found in asking this question together. Where am I trying to race alone? Where am I trying to race alone? Those are the places, a symptom that you're trying to race alone in some place is, again, that great pressure that you feel to perform. 
the places where you feel like you're going to win or lose on your own. A symptom that you're trying to race alone is in those places where you choose isolation over connection because it's, it's just a little too dangerous, it seems, to be exposed in connection and relationship to each other. Where you're trying to race alone are often in those places where you're afraid that somebody will get to know the real you. And maybe you're, maybe you're not the best son or daughter that you, that you could be. Maybe you're not the best follower of Jesus that you know you're supposed to be. And we get so concerned about what those people around us will think that we step out of relationship and try to race alone instead of trusting that we were made for relationship and those who love us will actually call us to more and they'll journey with us. We don't have to be afraid of what others will see in us. We simply need to press into the relationship Jesus offers and out of that find genuine connection with the people around us. Where is it that you're trying to race alone? And then what's one step you can take even this week to step into genuine, deep relationship there? It begins with a simple conversation, an invitation, and then you trust God to lead you into a place of deeper and deeper relationship. We weren't meant to do this alone. We're, we can win, but we only win as part of a great crew. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for the way that you, you've designed us for relationship with you and each other. And God, for my brothers and sisters, those who are watching this message, I pray that you would reveal to each of us where it is that in our own strength we're trying to run our own race. God, would you teach us what it is to pursue you first, but then out of that to take the risk of relationship with people around us. God, I know you desire much more for us than we can ask or imagine, but I also know that that much more doesn't happen for us alone. But it happens for your glory in the context of connection with others. So God, where we've been trying to run the race on our own, we would say we are tired, we're spent, we're burnt out. Would you show us what it looks like to stop trying to compete against those around us and start racing with them. Would you show us how we can pour your life into those around us and in so doing find ourselves filled along the way. God, I ask these things knowing you alone are good, you alone are God, and you are the one who made us for these. So show us how to live in it, we pray. In your name, amen.